Registration is open for the Tolaris Partners Summit happening July 31st to August 2nd at the Gaylord Texan Resort. Come and get the most current information on industry and technology trends at the pinnacle education event of the year. We're going to have three general sessions, 40 educational breakouts, a two-day trade show, over 118 suppliers, a technology demo center, two award shows, a 5K run, and of course, some parties to remember. We're excited to welcome as a keynote, Josh Linkner, an inspiring entrepreneur who built and sold five tech companies. Yes, five tech companies. He also became a New York Times bestselling author, created over 10,000 jobs, helped launch over 100 startups, and wait for it, created over $1 billion of investor returns. Josh will be teaching us his breakthrough innovation framework and how every problem can be solved and every opportunity seized. We're also excited to hear from Alan Stein Jr. Alan has learned from top leaders and coaches and then worked as a performance coach for some of the highest performing athletes on the planet, including NBA superstars, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and Kobe Bryant. He takes those lessons learned and then will teach you how to achieve more from your sales efforts, more sales revenue, more team cohesion, more loyal customers. You can achieve more by executing the basics consistently. Go to Tolaris.com slash PS to learn more and register. Welcome to the podcast that is designed to fuel your success in selling technology solutions. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris, and this is Next Level Biz Tech. Everybody, welcome back. Uh, we are here to wrap up one of our fun cloud tracks. We're talking about Kubernetes. We're talking about helping customers. Uh, and to do that, we had to bring on some really smart partners. Uh, today, we got our good friends at CompuNet joining us. I'd like to welcome them on. Dan Beeler, welcome on, sir. Hi, thank you. And where are those smart partners? Are they going to show up soon? Hey, hey <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking right at them, man. I won't, yeah. say, I won't say which ones they are. Okay. Uh, Alex Hughes, welcome on as well, my friend. Thanks for having me. Guys, um, I, I always like to kick this off with learning a little bit about people that uh, I know, but maybe you got some cool stuff in your background that we don't know. And I think it's it's fun to see how people come into this space. Some people stumble in and this, this world sucks us in. Others, uh, you know, they, they've set out and went to school and this was their destiny. So, Dan, I'm going to I'm gonna ask you first, tell me your story. Is it a straight and narrow path into tech? Is it windy? What is it? Oh, yeah, it's windy, as I assume many people's are, but... Uh, you know, I grew up in the Seattle, Washington area, um, really thought I wanted to be a rock star like so many people around the area did. You know, it's the the kind of the, the um, you know, cradle of grunge, if you will. Um, that did not happen. Come to find out I didn't have any musical talent. But uh, my big claim to fame there is that I did go to school with uh, Lane Staley of Alice in Chains. He was just a year younger than me in high school. So that's that's how far I made it. In that, um, that led to a, a short career in construction. I really enjoyed construction, framing houses and, and other uh, buildings. But what I realized real quickly with that was, is that winters were horrible. <laughs> so that led me to try to find something that uh, maybe a little bit more on the professional side had led me into technology first in sales. Um, then from there, um, finding that I kind of had a technical aptitude. So I started heading to kind of towards the pre-sales arena. Um, and that ultimately led me into engineering kind of at the time when um, IP phone systems were starting to take off. And I really set my sights on Cisco, understanding Cisco IP telephony and, and the like, unified communications. Um, when I came to CompuNet, that was about 17 years ago. And I came in as a uh, route switch and voice engineer. 
Um, and then from there moved into some, uh, some, some other, uh, things that we'll talk about, I'm sure here in a minute. Love it. From Allison Chains to Cisco. All right, Alex, uh, top that man. What's your story? Oh man, I don't have any claim to fame with any, uh, name dropping here. Mine, uh, my story is uh, a little bit more direct into it. I, I kind of started in at a law firm actually thinking, Hey, maybe I'd be interested in going to law school. It was, you know, in school at the time, figured it was a good, good gig to kind of be at a help desk and kind of learn how a law firm works. And what I learned is that I didn't want to be a lawyer after all. And so <laughs> I, I stuck with the technology, um, kind of got to a point where I felt like I, I knew that specific environment really well and, and had a hunger for, you know, learning how, what, what else can you do in the IT world? And so I went and worked for a managed service provider and, um, for better or worse, those are, that's the type of environment where you're, you're always learning, you always are trying new things. And it's a little bit, a little bit crazy to, to stay, you know, afloat with, uh, so many customers thinking they're the most important and, and trying to keep up with, you know, all of their demands, but I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I've, I've loved being in the kind of managed services and then kind of moved into more of the consulting space where I have a new problem to handle every day and, and learning new technologies all the time and get to talk with people about things that most of the people in my family think are made up like Kubernetes. So. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Oh my gosh. That's its own podcast explaining to our families what we do. I love it. Sure. And, and, and then uh, your official title uh, at CompuNet, Alex? So I am a solutions architect. I am kind of in our, the technology domain of public cloud and then application architecture. So that kind of covers primarily Azure is, is kind of where we, we do a lot of our implementation work, but it covers all of the public, you know, hyperscaler clouds and then into the world of DevOps, which means whatever you'd like it to mean. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Love it. All right. Uh, Beeler, a uh, yeah. little bit on your role. And then I would actually love for you to describe anybody maybe not familiar with CompuNet, uh, who and what CompuNet is. Sure. Yeah. So let me start with that um, and then I'll move into my role. So CompuNet uh, got started way back in 1998. Um, I've been here for 17 years. We kind of came into the world as a Cisco value-added reseller, hence why I ended up uh, with, the, with the spot I did when I started. Uh, but CompuNet has really morphed um, over the years. And so uh, now we still are a value-added reseller, but you're seeing a lot more uh, of our customers actually asking us for, you know, as a service, X as a service, uh, and we are certainly willing to help with that. And then our, our engineers, um, we really have a whole layer now officially as architects um, and, uh, and senior level um, engineering, uh, principal engineers as well. So we really do consult, like uh, Alex was just mentioning there, quite a bit now with customers on the front end uh, before they make decisions. So that's been great. Uh, my role at CompuNet today is um, really stemmed out of business development. I ran our data center practice for about nine years, uh, but the role as it sits today, I'm called a director of strategic partnerships. And it aligns exactly to what Alex said, which is that's that's in the tech domain of public cloud and application architecture. Love it. Uh, good stuff. I know you've seen a lot, especially in that 17 years. And yeah, you guys have evolved a ton. It's been awesome to see. Uh, all right. So, so Dan, talk to me about uh, you know, over these past 5, 10, 15 years, just some changes that you've seen in the marketplace with regard to cloud infrastructure and just infrastructure in general and, and kind of where it's going uh, with regard as we kind of start to talk about modernization here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, in fact, um, to that point, we've, we've structured and formalized a team that Alex is a part of. Alex is a part of a, a virtual team called the Application Architecture Team. That team consists of software architects, 
cloud architects such as Alex and then app security focused architects as well. And then that's how we actually go to market to start helping customers, um, you know, target what applications are actually looking to modernize and why. So, so if that tells you anything about, you know, where we've come over the years to now, that's what we see as a, a differentiator for us and in, in something that customers are actually really asking for. So if that's where it is now, you know, if you, if I just look back even five years, one thing I've seen is, um, a real willingness of customers now to look at cloud as a, as a solution and maybe even as a first solution. Um, I, I can tell you this though, that for the customers that, you know, come to us and say, Hey, we're going all in on cloud. Um, we've been given a date and we're going to completely exit our data centers and we're going to be completely cloud by X date. We will actually, tr with everything we can um, try to help that customer take their foot off the gas on that a little bit and start looking at specific applications and which ones might make sense to put in the public cloud and which ones might make sense to leave on-prem and kind of maybe really start and really kind of, you know, dig into that hybrid infrastructure. That It's certainly uh, much more palatable for most of our customers. Yeah, and I mean, you bring up a good point. I mean, even, even just looking back five years, right, maybe even 10 years, it, early on it was just, hey, I need an engineer to help me build this thing. And now you're into this layer and these different divisions and segmentations. It's crazy to think how advanced it is, but it is such a value add because remember the customers would always just say, yeah, no, no, I got this. I, I don't need a lot of help, right? And now they're just going, please help me. I don't even have the people that I had two years ago here anymore. Yeah, and 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 that may be, you know, a little bit to the fact that technology moves very, very quickly. And, you know, I know that the, the core, you know, the crux of this conversation is around containers and Kubernetes. And that is one where, you know, customers know it's there. They, they know it's that most of them are even asking us, tell us why we should do this. You know, like we're hearing all about it. You know, why, why should we as like a standard enterprise business um, do this? So, I mean, we're, we're consulting all of that on the front end as well. So. Well, let's talk about that. Um, you know, there, there, we, we like to talk about objections and overcoming objections. And, uh, you know, back in the days of, of, it was one of my favorite pieces of training because we needed it so much when I was selling door-to-door -door vacuums because I was really surprised to find that nobody wants to buy a $3,000 vacuum, but through this lovely binder, uh, we know the objections they're going to have. So let's talk about objections for a second. Um, what is, when you're, when you're on that front end consulting, Dan, with, with these customers, what is their first avoidance or their first reason to want to avoid this? And then how do you talk through that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the biggest one that comes to mind is just lack of full understanding on what the solution is really supposed to do for them. Um, and, and, and keep in mind, you know, we, um, CompuNet's a little unique in the fact that we have 30 sellers across, uh, all, most all Western states. Um, and we have about 145 engineers. And so that leaves that, you know, and those are customer facing engineers in specific IT domains. And so, uh, with that, we, we kind of take an engineering led approach. Um, and to bolster that we don't actually have quotas for our AEs. And so what that does is it allows us to have more of a natural flowing conversation about what a customer is actually trying to get done, because sometimes we'll hear, yeah, um, you know, so-and-so really wants to talk about containers and Kubernetes. And we go in and we find out, well, no, that actually wasn't the case. What they had was an application that, um, you know, IBM said their X series was going to go end of life. And now they're trying to figure out where they're going to keep running that, you know, so sometimes it's like that, but it, as when you take that consulting approach, you can kind of really get down to what the actual needs are. And then you're not really working so much on the objection because I don't have an agenda. My agenda is to help them get where they're going. And that's a much better way to, I think, to, you know, to kind of approach 
any of these kinds of conversations. So hopefully that, I know that doesn't quite answer your question, but uh, that is, that's, that's where it, it's fair, right? I think the biggest thing that people want to hear is that, Hey, I'm not alone and other people are struggling with this too. And I think oh, that's yeah. what you guys yeah. do a really good job of helping them through that. Well, as we get into Alex here, you're going to, you're going to hear, we have plenty of customers, you know, uh, modernizing applications, taking applications into microservices, using containers and all the reasons, you know, for that um, are legit. And, and he's working on that stuff all the time. So you'll get a different perspective here in just a second. <laughs> All right. So with that, Alex, let's, let's jump to you here. Um, before we get into kind of the meat of this and what the title of this track is, from your perspective, I always love to hear everybody learns different. Everybody keeps pace with innovation different. So with your role kind of as that lead architect, how are you out there keeping pace from an innovation perspective? What products, where's Kubernetes fit? What works in Azure? What's in AWS? Things like that. That's a, one of the things that I like most about my job is that, you know, a lot of the customers that I'm working with you know, the sysadmins or the infrastructure directors or now even more so into these teams that are developers and um, they have a day job of keeping their applications up and running and they have to make sure that their business objectives are being met and that they're, you know, doing right by their organization. And so it's hard to keep up with everything that's changing in Azure. I mean, every week there's, there's a whole, you know, feed of changes that are happening in just Azure. And then you layer on AWS and GCP and then, you know, the whole world of, of DevOps um, it's a lot for somebody to, to try to keep up. And so that's why I, I get to have the fun job of, of doing my best to keep up with all of those innovations and then coming to the customers with, you know, kind of a distilled list, you know, here's, here's the things that would apply to your organization. Here's where, um, you know, Kubernetes can help your organization specifically and kind of tune out a little bit of the noise and explain, you know, here's, here's a new functionality that exists in public cloud and how it could, you know, benefit your business specifically. So do you find it best to to pay attention to the digests of features and products that are coming out? Or are you encouraging some of these kind of self-paced, you know, the Udemy's, the um, the cloud gurus, those kind of things? Any any recommendations there? Uh, definitely. I, I think it's similar to like you just said at the top, everyone kind of learns differently. And so um, I, I actually really like digging into the documentation of, of specific you know, uh, technologies. And that kind of helps me by looking through, a, you know, a quick start guide and looking through, here's all the different components and features. It kind of helps me to place it in my mind as far as what is this, you know, hoping to accomplish for a customer. Um, others are, you know, more driven by, you know, watching a video of somebody kind of explaining with examples, you know, here's, here's a, you know, hello world example. And then here's an example yeah. for a, a fake customer, you know, for example, the example organization, um, and so, you know, I, I try to keep up with things like, uh, YouTube videos that kind of explain here's, here's the latest and greatest coming out of, um, the public clouds podcasts are another, uh, excellent avenue can you kind of have on the background and kind of be listening for, you know, the new, you know, updates and improvements that might apply to, you know, my own workloads or to my customers' workloads. Um, and so, yeah, podcasts, uh, YouTube videos and and the documentation are, are my turn turning points, um, and then trying to get my hands dirty. I think that's really where you really get the the real experience is is actually going and trying to build out something, and then you really quickly find out where you don't have you didn't have a full understanding uh, when when something just stops working and you don't know where to even look to to start troubleshooting. Uh, you realize, okay, I need to go back to the basics and really understand the fundamentals. Yeah, it's a good point. That, I mean, that gives us a lot of credibility with customers too at that point right there. 
to say I've done this. I've gone through that. I, I know this is going to break right here. I know the instructions say that this should work. It's not going to work. It's not going to write here. This database isn't going to connect to this. Yeah, you, you can't, I mean, you can't, you can't make that up, right? It's just, that's gold. Absolutely. And that's, it, to Dan's point, that's exactly what, what our role is, is to help organizations kind of avoid making the same pitfalls that everybody else has made. Um, you know, well, let's learn from those mistakes and let's help you kind of uh, skip past those and have a little bit more confidence as you're deploying into the cloud, for example. All right. So, so this is an advanced topic, right? Um, I, th there's a, let's say there's a little bit of a prerequisite for what we're going to talk about for anybody that's out there listening to this, right? I, I think people understand, Hey, I put my application on a piece of hardware, that piece of hardware, it, it's dedicated to that. Uh, you know, that's, that's what applications and then virtualization comes in, right. And it allows us to do some creative things, whether that's on prem cloud, wherever. So, so, before we get into these, the you know the three ways that Kubernetes helps, uh, you know helps customers modernize. Alex, break down in your opinion. What do you think the these you know first? How do we get to Kubernetes? Why is it here? And then let's get into what are some of those reasons of how it helps. Sure, I'm actually going to take maybe a maybe a different approach than maybe you know most uh, infrastructure minded people would take, because or maybe I'll just abbreviate it and say you know we we. We know that there's hardware and then there's virtualization. That's kind of the, the VM side of things. And then, you know, we could talk about how containers live kind of above that or abstract it even further, um, but kind of to take a different approach to it, you know, why containers from a business or a developer standpoint? Um, and I think that that's maybe even more interesting is not, you know, how exactly does it work with, you know, being able to uh, use, you know, the same hardware for more things, but, you know, developers, they, they have this application, they have this code that they want to run, and it seems to work great on their computer, but then they go and deploy it somewhere else or to a production environment, and, um, you know, versions are different, or the frameworks haven't been updated yet, or, you know, IT put in a new policy somewhere, and now it's, uh, you know, breaking something. And so that that's a core problem that a lot of developers and IT teams build some friction on, is, you know, kind of that shrug, hey, it works on my computer, I don't know what your problem is. Um, and so containers is a way that, that can kind of help solve that by creating a standardized, you know, container, right? The, mm -hmm. the image that people have in their mind is of like a shipping container um, on a giant, you know, ship across the, across the ocean. They all look the same. They have very different things inside, but because of that standardized, you know, size and format, um, we can plug a whole bunch of them in on the same, you know, uh, barge or whatever. Um, and so... The, the benefits that come from containers are being able to package all of those dependencies and, you know, all of the, you know, variability and kind of put all of those pieces in one piece that, you know, it's going to run the same on my dev machine. It's going to run the same in my testing environment. It's going to run the same in a server on-prem and it's going to run the same in Azure or AWS or something of that nature. And so it, it allows um, developers to kind of build that, that confidence that it's going to run the same in, in all those scenarios. So do you think then, I, I love your approach, because yeah, we don't, I, I don't usually get that approach. I love hearing a different one. Um, do you think then, is it, is it more about developers love to develop on the local machine and then move it out? And, and maybe it's less about isolation and production or minimizing risk for breakage? What are your thoughts there? I think that comes into it for sure. I, I mean, that's a, uh, it is, it is a little bit of kind of enabling more of a, of a DevOps or agile approach of being able to, um, 
you know, decompose your applications a little bit. And rather than having one monolith that sits on a server and the only way to, you know, handle more load is to scale it up and make a bigger and bigger server, um, we can kind of start taking the different pieces of an application and, you know, assign different amounts of capacity to them. And so, you know, if I have an application and this is a really heavy piece of it, I can have 15 copies of replicas of that piece. And then for, you know, the, the piece over here that does something much more lightweight, um, I can kind of optimize and spread that load out a little bit better and be able to, you know, really, um, you know, make the most of my investment in the infrastructure and in the hardware. Um, and then also be able to have, you know, the ability to fine tune and, and use, use the capacity where it's most needed. Um, okay. So, I mean, the, the topic here we're talking about is the ways that Kubernetes helps your customers, but I, I want to put a bow on what you just mentioned. If, if I go back and I say, all right, I've, I've moved my applications. I've got some on-prem still. I've got some here in, in cloud. I'm all proud of myself because I've, I've created an auto-scaling group in Azure and AWS and it scales up, it scales down, it's cost efficient. Um, I think that's enough. But then Kubernetes comes along and, and shows all these benefits. So if we just kind of boil back down, maybe some of the things that we already mentioned, put a bow on this topic. What are you thinking then and, and the customers that you talk to, the three benefits, top three benefits they still get out of uh, modernizing even further to containers? Sure. Yeah, I think we'll take it, you know, we, so there's containers, right? We have this now portable code. It's, it's much more flexible. I can put it wherever I want and run it. Um, but now we've actually added a little a bit of complexity as well versus having everything, you know, self-contained in a, in a monolithic application. Now we have all of these containers and we have to make sure not only that they're all running, but that they are able to communicate with each other and that we are, you know, scaling them appropriately. And so that's where, you know, an orchestration layer like Kubernetes really comes in, um, and provides some benefits as far as, um, you know, doing the auto scaling for us doing the scheduling and then doing some, you know, amount of self-healing. Um, and those, those probably all sound really great to, you know, to the, the SREs and the IT admins and, and the people that are charged with making sure the application is up is having a tool available to them to help make sure that it's running all the time and that it's running consistently. Um, and that's, that's really the magic of Kubernetes is that it takes these, these containers and then it adds this additional layer and really the, the magic of Kubernetes is that it's this API driven approach. And so not only is it automation as far as, you know, have, have this many um, pods or, or containers running here and make sure that they can talk to each other, but it also can, you know, have a unified API to be able to manage things like load balancers or be able to manage um, logging and, and monitoring and performance metrics um, and have kind of a, a unified approach. And so that they can, uh, use it for all of their infrastructure and be able to get those benefits of, you know, being able to say, this is my desired state. I need to have this many containers running and they need to be talking to these other services. Um, and if something breaks, then it will just fix it. It'll make sure that it's always kind of matching your desired state. Love it. Automagically. That's how it should yeah. be. All right. Uh, now we got to talk about deals here. So, uh, walk me through, Alex, uh, and don't worry, Bieler, we're going to come back to you in just a second. Yep, no um, walk me through, Alex. Uh, I, I think an interesting thing to see that, that we see from an engineering perspective in deals is they don't finish the same way that they started. And, and I love that because that's our job is to uncover what the customer really needs, right? So, so walk me through maybe a, a, an engagement that you came into where maybe the customer thought they needed this, but they ultimately needed 
something completely different. You know, what did they have versus what did they have then after the fact and, and how did it help? Sure. Um, the one that comes to mind is, is a, a customer that was running a, it was kind of a, a backend batch process each night that helped them to optimize you know, here we have all of these uh, in the hospitality industry. So we have all these reservations. How do we optimize these to make sure that we're, you know, using the most of our capacity and giving people, you know, their, their desired, you know, uh, you know, they, they asked for, you know, this specific spot in, in an environment, or they want these amenities and how do we make sure that we're kind of organizing them properly. And so they, they had worked with an open source software and created a container um, that would, you know, take in data, then it would, you know, crunch the numbers and figure out the most optimal solution and spit out, you know, here's how you should reorganize these, these reservations. And so um, they started with a container and they realized pretty quickly that, you know, the, the hardware that they had on-prem, that they, that they needed more, more beef, right? They needed to be able to do more. And so rather than, you know, going and, and trying to forecast and figure out, okay, how much, you know, capacity are we going to need? Let's look to the cloud. Let's figure out you know, how can we use this magic agility and scalability and elasticity of the cloud for this specific use case? And so they came to us looking for help um, scaling. And we kind of started down the path of looking at um, functions as a service. Um, but because of this specific workload, it was kind of atypical in the sense that it, it needed to run for, it would just run for as long as it needed. And we, you know, didn't really, there wasn't like a, an easy way to forecast exactly, or, or to be able to say it's going to take this long. And so we, we had to kind of pivot and figure out a way of how do we take any number of these requests that are coming in and be able to scale them to a point where they can do their work and then go away. And so that was, that was kind of the problem that needed to be solved. And we, we architected a solution where using a Kubernetes cluster and then using a, a technology called Kita, uh, Kubernetes event-driven auto-scaling. The idea is that we created this, um, this workflow where anytime that they needed to run this batch process, they could just send a payload of data. Kubernetes would see, hey, I, I just got you know, 100 requests for, to process this data. It would go and spin up 100 different containers to go do that work. And then once the work was done, those containers would you know, dissolve and go back away. They were ephemeral. And so the, the real big benefit to the customer was that when they weren't needing this you know, capacity, they weren't paying anything for that, that compute. But then as soon as they had a, a whole batch of processes to run, uh, the cloud would spin up and do its magic and then throw them all back away and, and go back down to kind of a, a $0 resting state. Um, and so that was a, a great example of kind of finally being able to use that promise of the elasticity of the cloud and, yeah. and uh, yeah, make that process more scalable. Love it. Good stuff. All right. Uh, Dan, I want to come back to you. Sure. Uh, you know, as you've seen some of this modernization happen over the years and to kind of, you know, get back to what Alex has been mentioning here the last few minutes, what's the biggest thing that you've learned, uh, you know, when you're talking about these complex technologies, infrastructure, containers, and you're yeah. in these customer chats? Sure. Um, okay. So definitely, and maybe, maybe somebody's already picked up on this from a little bit earlier, but, you know, uh, we have been a traditional infrastructure hardware selling VAR, right? And so with that, with years of, of, of practice at that, 
it, you know, it's very easy to come at it from that infrastructure standpoint um, and perspective, but it's really not the right way to, to get to uh, the meaningful conversation and really what you're after here. The right way is actually to get to the, the focus on the outcomes, the business outcomes that the customer is looking for from their application. So if that's the case, then you got to get close to application owners. You have to, you know, you you really have to cross that aisle and be okay talking to dev leaders and DevOps leaders in customers, um, because trust me, anybody on that side, they know exactly what that application is doing, what it isn't doing, what it should be doing, and where they want to go with it next. And that's that. It it, it seems like we always back into conversations uh, around containers, Kubernetes, and the like when that makes sense. And notice Alex talked about serverless, right? So. At the onset of that, um, you know, by the time Alex got involved, he's trying to figure out what's the best way to handle that function of the application, you know. So that's probably the biggest thing we've learned here. Um, and I might add, too, that, you know, just like with any technology, if you don't have resources on staff, I mean, we, we've now invested in these types of resources like Alex, uh, like software architects, so that we could do this very thing. But if you don't have those, I mean, Tolaris has got a great stable of partners that, you know, we use those partners too, to this very day. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we need to, are we dropping names or no? Is that, are we Drop them, baby. Drop them. <laughs> I would say uh, Quest has become a very um, um, strategic partner for us because um, when we, you know, can only take it so far, they will take it the rest of the way, including finishing an actual, um, you know, modernization project on the code side. So those partnerships for us are are absolutely critical. So that's I I, I think I kind of went over the one question, but sorry. It's <laughs> a beautiful answer. I was not going to stop you at all. <laughs> if uh, I could jump in and, yeah. and add to that, um, you know that that really is the goal is to kind of try to figure out what those actual business outcomes are and kind of work backwards from those rather than trying to fit a technology. Even though Kubernetes is really cool, it's not always the right answer. Sometimes there's you know, it's one of those tools that can do so many different things that everyone's really excited about its capabilities, but some organizations, they just have a container that they need to run, or they just have an app that they need to run. And maybe, you know, having all of the the dials and bells and whistles that they can tweak is not actually what they need. They really just need something more abstracted and simple. And they, they need to use something like serverless and they need to use a tool that says, you know, here's my code, please go run it. And don't make me try to figure out all of the different a uh, hundred different ways that I could architect underneath it. Yeah, I, there's a time and a place to be technical, right? I mean, one of my, I, I should really get royalties off this book, but I'm not. Uh, there's a book called Power Questions, which is one of the first books I ever read that taught me how to sell more effectively. And it, it just talks about the value of going into a conversation, making a bunch of assumptions of what you need to talk to your customers and your prospects about. And you just, bleh, you know, brain dump out on them. Oh, this is this cool tech. This is what you need to do. This is what, blah, blah, blah. And the reality is you didn't ever ask what they wanted and why they were doing it. And so, you know, it's, it, it's funny because you could get to the same endpoint. Right. Uh, maybe I get there if I just get you super excited about what Kubernetes is and I nerd out and don't let you talk. Nobody really wants to listen that way. People want to be talked to. And they want their conversation and their their points to be heard. So if I ask the to your guys's point, why are we doing this? What are the struggle points? Is it about portability? Is it about, you know, and in your head, of course, you're mapping. Look, I know this is a great fit, right? But I'm just going to keep collecting. I'm going to keep collecting. And then I'm going to just show them the technology. They don't they don't care what it is. They don't care what it's called. Uh, they just want it to work. And, and once you do that once, they trust you of, hey, these are my go-to guys. I'm not going anywhere else to help me because if they can solve for this, they can solve anything. Yeah. 
Yeah, the uh, the show up and throw up um, tends to lead us to the quickest path to the door. <laughs> so we try not to go that route very often. Yeah. Well, and, and really, you know, we're helping a lot of our customers. It's, it's, a, it's a journey, right? Um, we have, it's the similar thing happened when a lot of customers would lift and shift everything they had in a data center to the cloud and then recognize, okay, I, I'm now paying more for all of this, but I'm, I'm treating it just like a data center. And so they're not really getting the value of cloud anymore. And so, you know, some organizations would then repatriate everything back onto the data center and kind of just swing the pendulum, you know, both directions. And so we've recognized that, you know, with Kubernetes still, it's even though it's been around a while, it's still changing so rapidly. And we seem to have this, this chasm between here's a quick start and I can go and get an application running in five minutes. And then here's, you know, the opposite end of um, look at this really cool dashboard and I have you know, thousands of apps running and really great Grafana, you know, dashboards and, and monitoring going. What, what about the in-between spot? And that's really where we're trying to target our customers is, you know, they recognize they're, they're past the quick start. They have an application that now has more than tens of users. And so they, they realize that, you know, some of their, uh, some of the easy button stuff is no longer working, but they're not quite to an inter- full enterprise architecture. And so how do we help them through that journey of, you know, starting to apply, you know, enterprise patterns. And so using things like container containers and, and orchestration or using things like, um, you know, service buses and message queues and some of these other, you know, patterns that will, will help them to take those steps forward and so that they can continue to scale and kind of make those steps in between start point and, you know, full Kubernetes bliss. Bliss. Kubernetes bliss. So we should title that this. Uh, I love that. Let's uh, final couple thoughts here, Dan. I'm going to come to you first uh, on this here. Second to last thought: uh, If I'm a partner and I'm listening to this, and maybe I'm in uh, an adjacent area, I'm a, I'm a technology advisor out there, and maybe I've sold CX or maybe I've sold network, and I I want to get deeper into this. What's your advice for that partner uh, when talking to customers? Uh, yeah, I would say don't 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 fake it till you make it. Um, maybe try to go to, you know, your, your, your supplier options and find out who's really good in this space, um, and then bring them along. But, but first of all, it starts with talking to the right people. So one thing I would say right off the bat is, you know, even if you're really good at selling, um, CX or, you know, data center or whatever as a service. Um, and, and so because of that, you may have this hesitation to get across the aisle and talk to somebody about their application. It seems scary, but it's really not. First of all, Customers that that own those applications, they love talking about them. So let them talk, you know, let them let them tell you what's going on with it and what their challenges are. And then maybe take that back, uh, you know, talk to your, um, you know, your, your your Toleris rep and find out who would who might be a good fit to go help uh, come alongside you um, and, and take that conversation further. That's what I'd say. Love it. Alex, any other thoughts? I, I like that. I think, uh, you know, if an organization is running running their own applications, especially custom applications, if they're not at least considering, you know, moving into containers and modernizing, then they're going to be, they're going to be behind. And so it, we recognize that it's not, they may not be in the spot right now. There might be some refactoring involved to get there. Um, But now is the time to, to make sure you're, you're at least having those discussions and identifying whether, whether Kubernetes containers or, you know, other modern application patterns are, are, you know, if they're ready for that. Love it. Uh, all right, Alex, I'm going to give you the final question. We're going to look out into the future as the ominous music plays. Uh, as we look at this and, and kind of wrap up, you know, 
technology that's coming out. We're seeing all the open API or uh, all the chat GPT stuff, sure. everything popping out. Uh, where do you think this goes, right? How do you think that kind of technology applies uh, as we go into more containers, more advanced into serverless, Copilot comes out? What are your final thoughts? What are we going to see late this year into next year? What's it going to look like? I'd say, you know, kind of maybe a, an approach is, you know, looking looking out there at, you know, the the sysadmins and and the, you know, the people that have been taking care of infrastructure for, infrastructure for their their careers. Um, you know, now's the time when that this DevOps transition is is really, you know, it's been around for a while, but we're getting to that threshold where if you're not able to kind of keep up with the new patterns of of using infrastructure as code and using um, immutable infrastructure and using containers and you know really relying on automation versus you know clicking around and, and doing things in portals. Um, now's the point when it's really really important to kind of get onto that train um, and reskill and, and look for opportunities to you know take advantage of the the functionalities that are coming from these cloud platforms, um, but then even on prem. Um, and, and really kind of lean into that and, and, you know, figure out how do I, you know, kind of develop this common ground with the developers and make sure that, you know, everyone's on board with understanding how Git works. And so that we can, you know, start contributing to infrastructure as code, you know, templates together, um, looking for ways that, you know, we can use pipelines and automation to, you know, reduce human error and, and make things just work, um, you know, more seamlessly. And so I think that's that we're at that point now where, um, we need to lean into the the new DevOps patterns. Love it. All right. Uh, gentlemen, that wraps us up for today. Alex, thanks so much for coming on, my friend. Thanks for having us. Mr. Dan Beeler, appreciate it. Good to talk with always. Great to talk with you. Okay, guys, uh, that wraps us up for this week. We'll take us out. Thanks, for everybody, for listening. If you got any feedback, nlbt at tolaris.com. We're always taking new suggestions. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris. Next Level BizTech has been a production of Tolera Studio 19. Please visit tolaris.com for more information.